Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Pastor Isaac, lead pastor of Shore Christian Church, and you are about to hear a sermon from our latest series, The Escape Room. And The Escape Room is based off of all these uh, interactive adventures all across America called escape rooms, where you're kind of locked in a room and you have to use your surroundings in order to uh, escape what's, uh, what's trying to confine and bind you. And I thought that would be a, a great way to tie into a series because we're all trying to escape from something in life, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that no matter what we're tempted by, no matter what we are facing, God will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but will always provide a way of escape. So get ready to check out this sermon. Uh, if this message blesses you, we encourage you to contribute uh, to Shore Christian Church so we can get more of these powerful messages out to people that need to hear them the most. And you could do so right on the link provided below. God bless you. Enjoy this sermon. And uh, everybody got their bracelets when they came in? Throw them up in the air right there. I want everybody to memorize 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Can you do that? All right, and this is what it is right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you. That's, that's you, that's me, all of us. No temptation has taken us except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. God is so faithful. He was faithful when Paul wrote this. He was faithful when he died on the cross and said it is finished. He was faithful when he came out of the tomb, and he is faithful today. And this is what it says. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will always provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. That's awesome. That's my God. And he's going to provide a way of escape for you, no matter what you're facing. Uh, right now in America, uh, there are over 40,000 escape rooms. It has like exploded this, this kind of like interactive date night extravaganza experience where you could go hang out with your friends. And uh, if you have not been to one, uh, I'm just going to quickly break it down to you. We actually have an interview of uh, one of the, the, the people from the escape room in Neptune. Uh, but, but here it is for you. Uh, the, everybody, uh, you walk into the escape room and they give you a scenario of a room that you're going to be locked in. Uh, the last one that I went to, I went with a, a bunch of friends. Uh, my my brother-in-law Thomas was there. Diamond was eight months pregnant when she went. Uh, Ryan and Winter, uh, a, a, a few of our friends. And uh, the one that we got to do was a zombie escape room. And uh, uh, we thought that would be like a cool adventure. So we signed up for it. And uh, we get there and then they give you the scenario. And the scenario was, was this, is that you guys uh, are going to be locked in the uh, uh, laboratory of Professor Pumpernickel. And there has been a zombie outbreak across the city. And the only thing separating the fall of mankind and the zombie warhead apocalypse that take place is you and your group of renegade roadies. And you have to break into the, uh, the, the laboratory. You have to crack the code. You have to find Professor Pumpernickel. But the, the, the zombie is going to be in the room with you. And we have to warn you, this zombie is very aggressive. 
This zombie is fast, and this zombie will chase after you. And this zombie is going to grab you, but you cannot grab the zombie. And I'm like, what? No, 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 no. If that zombie is grabbing me, I'm grabbing that zombie. Don't tell me if someone can touch me, I can't touch them. If someone can hit me, I can't hit. Don't tell me that. But that's what they were trying to tell me. And they, they made me sign a waiver that promised that I would not hit the zombie. And, and they said the, the, the zombie uh, is on a chain. And, and as the, the, the hour goes on, the, the chain gets a little longer. And if the zombie grabs you, you have to go in this little tiny box called quarantine. And so uh, we're like, all right, let's do this thing. Let, let's save the world. Let's save the universe from the zombie apocalypse. And so we get in the room. And, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the zombie just rushes at us. But it's on a chain. And, and the zombie was terrifying. It tried to jump and, and and, and attack my eight-month pregnant wife, and, and, and I almost broke that waiver, but I didn't want a lawsuit. I didn't want Shore Christian Church to have to pay that bill for me beating up a zombie in Neptune, New Jersey. Uh, you know, it, it was insane. Well, one of our friends, uh, Winter, the whole time the zombie was after us, we're trying to do all these codes and, and be able to solve these mysteries in the room while this zombie is like, like running after us. Winter was like in the corner, like screaming the whole time, Pastor Isaac, how could you allow me to do this? I hate you. Uh, Ryan was like running scared. He actually jumped into my wife at one point because he was terrified of the zombie. I'm like, Ryan, sacrifice your life for my wife and baby Dewey in there. And, and finally, at the end, we were able to get out. Uh, Thomas Doty, he, he won the award for uh, the, the, the best scream like a little girl the entire time. No offense to little girls. Uh, and Thomas came out. It was like a wet t-shirt contest. I've never seen a man sweat so much in my entire life, Thomas. Uh, but we made it out. And uh, I thought, man, that'd be a great sermon. The zombie apocalypse. And that was just one of the scenarios. And they have all these different scenarios that, that you could uh, indulge in at an escape room. And, and I, I thought, you know, everybody's really trying to escape from something, right? Right? Talk back to me. I mean, I don't care if you're a doctor, I don't care if you're a dentist, I don't care if you're a custodian, CEO, if you're a drug addict, if you're a school teacher, I don't care what you're dealing with. You're trying to escape from something. Every one of you. Something that happened to you 20 years ago and you're, you're still trying to escape the mental anguish that you're in from that mental prison. You're, you're trying to escape from a generational cycle of poverty that's been in your family for, for centuries and you're trying to escape. You're trying to escape what was done to you. You're trying to escape this depression that seems to always get you every single morning and every single time you lay your head at night. You're trying to escape, trying to impress people all the time. Everybody's trying to escape from something. But what I love about what, what the Bible teaches us is that no matter what you're trying to escape from, no matter what is trying to bind you physically or mentally or emotionally, our God is faithful and says no matter what it is, it's common to mankind and I will always give you a way to escape it. I will never allow you to go through an escape room that you don't have a way to get out of. It's in there. The, the way of escape is in there. And every escape room that you go into, talking about the games now, you may think they're impossible to get out, but they're not. There's always a way out. And so what, what I did, I, I interviewed one of the game masters. Uh, his name is Tom. 
and uh, Tom is awesome. And Tom's going to tell us a little bit about what uh, uh, an escape room is like and what uh, some of the parallels may be. So if we could just run that interview real quick. It's about three minutes. Check it out right now. Pay attention. You're going to need this for the rest of the sermon. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am here with uh, Tom. He was just a game master for us when we uh, just broke out of the uh, magic trick escape room. And uh, we're excited to be here. Um, Tom, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. No problem. I'm glad you guys came. So what does a game master do? What is a part of your requirements? So a game master is in charge of giving uh, the players in the room clues. They're in charge of helping the escapees escape. Uh They're uh, here to help you along. If you don't quite understand something, they help you get by it. They help you understand it. Um, so what can, um, like you're in an escape room, how do you get out? Like what's, what are some of the things that help you? You're locked in a room, you're surrounded by different things that could be clues, but, uh, how do you get out? What helps you? So what I always tell first timers when they come to the escape room, I always tell them to, uh, just search around, uh, look around your surroundings, you know, check on top of things, check below things, you know, even things that you may not think relate to your room they may have a place later on the room so always you know keep tabs on everything you have communication obviously Mm -hmm. is key between your team we've had people come in here two separate groups that book they they do not know each other and by the end of the time friendships are made it's it's an amazing and um the three clues are essential to an escape room. what are the three clues so tell us a little bit about that like each group gets what uh, well, each group gets access to three clues that they okay. may ask the game master for questions. Um, they can um, ask pretty much on any puzzle. They can use them whenever needed. Uh-huh. But um, if, you, if people are stuck, you, uh, you, mu- you have to spend a good amount of time on a puzzle before uh, using a clue because you only have gotcha. a limit of three. Yeah, the, room, the room we had had two rooms. And I thought it was interesting, like, sometimes, like, you need things from the other room to work on puzzles in the, uh, the, the room you just got into. Is that, you guys obviously do that on purpose. Tell that us is, a little bit about how you design it like that. That is more frequent in escape rooms. You will get things at the beginning of the game that uh, you cannot use until later on in the game. It's, a, it's, an often, it's often used in our escape rooms, and yeah. it's to... Try, try to get people to keep up with what's happening in the game, right. get communication going, and try to make them think a little bit like, oh, we haven't used this yet. Could this be used for anything? So, so it, like, it's, it's going to be used. Like, it might not be right away, but it might be for the end or, or a puzzle like, later on in the, in the escape room. That's exactly. so cool. You see like, a comeback like, where you're, you're watching and these people, they're struggling. Like they're, they can't get anything right. Like they couldn't even tie their own shoes. And then all of a sudden like things click and they like last 10 minutes and it just like pops for them. Have you ever seen something like that before? I have actually. Just recently I had a game that was extremely behind on time. I kept trying to help them, but they didn't really want the, uh-huh. the hints from me. So uh, at one point they, uh, the hardest puzzle in the room that they were playing, they just guessed like i i gave them a free hint they took the free hint uh-huh. and they just guessed a random combination and it happened to be the correct <laughs> one so that shot them ahead of time That's and amazing. for the rest of the game they had extra time on everything they started using their clues more often and they ended up escaping with plenty of time remaining that's awesome well i hope that everyone in our church comes to the solve it sherlock escape room in neptune new jersey
say thank you, Tom. So the first thing you got to know is there's a game master. I thought that was so awesome. I, I remember when they were telling us at, that there was going to be a live zombie in the room uh, right after they said that, but there's also going to be a helper in the room with you. There's also going to be a game master in the room with you that knows everything about the, the room and has clues for you to help you escape, but you have to ask them for help. And I thought, wait, so you're telling me there's going to be a helper in my situation, in my struggle? I'll tell you, my, my confidence went through the roof. You're talking to me. I, I was about to preach to the game master right now. I, I mean, a pastor, we could get sermons out of anything because I, when you say helper, I, I don't think of a, a Tom. I think of the Holy Spirit because John 15 says that when, when Jesus goes up, I'm going to send a helper, the spirit of truth that is able to give you clues to get you through whatever is trying to bind you in your situation. Jesus was only confined to one body, and when he went up, the Holy Spirit came down and can dwell within us and resides with us. No matter where we're going, no matter where we feel like we are being forsaken, the Holy Spirit has the clues, has the hints, has the help for us, but you you have to ask for it. I thought it was interesting how he said, some teams are too prideful to ask for help. You'll never get out unless you ask for help. You can't figure this one out on your own. You need the helper. You need the Holy Spirit. And, and so the escape room that we're going to talk about this morning is, is an expert level escape room. This is an escape room that some people die in. This is an escape room that some people are bound in their entire life, and it's the escape room called betrayal. Escape room called betrayal, and we're going to be looking at throughout this series the, the lives of different people in the scriptures that were trapped in a room and, and how they were able to get out. And, and the first one that we're going to talk about this morning is, is a guy by the name of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Any, any, anyone know Joseph? I like to call him Joey. Can I call him Joey? So if you don't know who Joey is, Joey uh, had quite a life. Joey was the son of Rachel, uh, who was one of the wives of Jacob. You know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he was the favorite son uh, of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, but Joey was the favorite one. He showed so much favoritism to Joey, he even made him a coat of many colors. I mean, made him this beautiful multicolored coat, and, and, and Joey was favored. Daddy loved him, mama loved him, and his other 11 brothers hated him. And Joey had a little bit of, a, of an attitude growing up because he started having these dreams. He was a little bit of a dreamer. And Joey this one time had this dream where all of the, the, the sheaves were bowing down to him and the sheaves were, were his brothers. And so the next morning, Joey goes to his brothers at the breakfast table around the cinnamon and the oatmeal and the nutmeg and everything. He's like, hey, you guys aren't going to believe what I dreamed about last night. I had a dream that all of you were sheaves and you bowed down to me. It was awesome. They didn't like Joey very much. They didn't like him. And, and it got worse. The next night, he went, he went to sleep. And, and, when he, and when he woke up, he realized he had this dream that not, not that sheaves were bowing down, but this time the sun, the moon, and the stars were all bowing down to Joey. Joey was getting bowed down to. And he said, you know, maybe I'll just tell everybody. Maybe they want to hear this great dream of everyone bowing down to me. So he got back with the, with the Wheaties and the cornflakes and said, you guys are not going to believe what I dreamed about last night. I dreamed that the sun, the moon, and the stars all bowed down to me. 
They hated Joey. They did not like Joey very much. And so the next day, uh, Joseph's dad, Jacob, said, I want you to go out to the field where your brothers are. And uh, they're working. They're slaving hard. Joseph didn't do much manual labor. He was a, a father's boy, a mama's boy. And so they sent Joey out with some food to bring lunch to his brothers. And so when Joey got out there to his brothers, they looked at him and said, let's go kill that dreamer right now. And they, they, they took him. And rather than killing him, Judah stepped in and said, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit. So they took their own brother, took the coat of many colors off of his back, dipped it in goat's blood, threw Joey in a pit in a cistern, and they, they didn't know what to do with him. They thought, are we going to kill him? What are we going to do? Are we going to beat him? Are we just going to throw him out uh, in the desert? But then they saw this caravan of Ishmaelites. Say Ishmaelites. And they said, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. So they took Joey, they sold him to the Ishmaelites. They took the coat, dipped it in goat's blood, went back to Jacob and said, Jacob, he's dead. I'm sorry, your boy, he's dead. And Jacob's like, oh no, dead. And so there's Joseph. He's in the caravan with the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites go down to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, there's this man by the name of Potiphar. He's the general of the army of Pharaoh. And he sees Joey and says, I like Joey. I'm going to buy him to be my slave. Buys Joey, puts Joey in charge of everything, uh, all of the estates of Pharaoh. And he he is doing such an incredible job. He has favor on him, even though the coat of many colors is off his back. Here's Joey in Potiphar's house taking care of business. Potiphar sees him, says, you are going to be put in charge of the entire estate. All I want to be worried about is breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And so here's Joey in Potiphar's house, a slave, but yet still favored. And then all of a sudden, the original Mrs. Robinson, we don't get her name. We just know that she is known as Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife likes Hebrew boys, and she cannot lie. And those other sisters can't deny when Joey walks in with those itty-bitty, something like that. And so, and so Joey walks in, and, and there's Mrs. Potiphar. And Mrs. Potiphar says to Joey, lay with me. Lay with me. Joey's like, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. She's like, no, get in bed with me. Joey's like, no. He runs, but she grabs his coat, grabs his coat. She's there. There's a ruckus, and everyone comes to her and says, what happened, Mrs. Potiphar? And of course, what does she do, Sandy? She lies and say, he tried to, he tried to rape me, he tried to sleep with me. And then all of a sudden, uh, Potiphar's angry. Potiphar's, Potiphar's upset. Potiphar brings Joey and said, Joey, what did you do to my wife? Joey's like, I didn't do anything to your wife. Your wife is crazy. I don't want anything to do with Mrs. Robinson. And, and Potiphar's like, I don't believe you. I'm going to take you, Joey. I'm going to throw you in prison and throw away the key. So now Joey's in prison. That's where we're going to pick up this story about Joseph. Are you with me? Are you sure? So Joey is in prison right now. And Joey has been lied on. He's been betrayed. He's been bullied. He's had unjust things happen to him. And so now he's in a world of pain. He's in prison the rest of his life. And he's in this escape room called betrayal. But there's three clues. Say three clues. And the first clue that you need to know, if you're ever going to get out of this pit, the first thing you need to know is there is more to the story. When you go to an escape room, there's all these pictures everywhere. And there's these headlines that they try and distract you with, like big and bold print. And, and, and it'll, it'll want you to just look at the headline and not read what's underneath the headline. Because underneath the headline is a clue. There's a clue in that, but, but, but they'll make it so obvious, the, the, the headline, that you'll just walk right past it. But there's more to the story. See, so often what the enemy of our soul wants us to do is just read the headlines of our life. 
He wants to just put these big, bold headlines of our life to define where we are at this point in our life. Like with, with, with Joey, for example. The headlines of his life say, say uh, felon, say uh, 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 slave, say you, you've been betrayed. Your family didn't even love you. They threw you out and sold you. You're, you're, you're a victim the rest of your life, but there's more to the story. You got to read on. You know, you, you, you look at any of the, the, the news outlets and they flash these headlines up. You know, why, why do they flash those headlines up? Anybody know? They're tricky. They, tra- they don't think you're actually going to read the story. <laughs> they don't think you're actually going to read the Mueller report. They just want you to, to, to read the, 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 the little caption so that you agree with the narrative that they want you to agree with. So they flash up the headline because they think that you're too stupid in order to dig a little deeper to actually find the truth. And that's exactly what Satan does to our lives, is he takes a little snapshot of your life and tries to define your entire story based off of one headline, based off of one moment where you feel like God abandoned you or God forsook you, so you need to judge the rest of your life based on that one headline. But I want you to know that Satan may write the headlines, but Hebrews 12 says that God writes the story. You missed a great chance to clap right there. Because it says that he is the author and the perfecter and the finisher of our faith and our life. And he has the last laugh. He has the last word. So there may be a big, bold headline of your life based off of one mistake, based off of one thing that you've been through, based off of one time that you feel God didn't come through for you in that one moment. But I want you to know that your story isn't finished yet. Stay in the story. There's more to your story. Somebody put your hands together and give thanks that your story is not finished yet. It's not finished yet. Number two, I like this sermon. I got to break this one down for you a little bit. Number two, the clue that you got to realize is you're not a thermometer, you're a thermostat. You're not a thermometer. You're a thermostat. If you want to get out of this escape room of betrayal that you're in, you got to learn to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. See, Joey didn't come to the temperature of the prison that he was in. He made the prison come to the temperature that was in his life. This is what he said, Genesis chapter 40, verse 4. The captain of the guard assisted them to Joseph and attended them. As Joseph is in prison, two other prisoners come, a cupbearer and a baker. And after they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king, of e- the, the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, and they had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. And when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were downcast. He saw that they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officers who were in custody of him who was in the master's house. And this is what he said to him. Why do you look so sad? Because if you're going to be in this prison with me, 
I'm going to infect you with what's inside of me. You're not going to infect me with what's inside of you. There's a story of a father who had a daughter who was going through some serious adversity in, in her life at school. She was, she was being bullied. She was uh, really in, in the midst of a lot of adversity. And she was dejected and she was upset and she came to her father uh, really, really hurting, really broken. And, and she was angry and, and the father was a, uh, he was a chef. And so he patiently uh, took out three items out of the refrigerator. He took out a potato, he took out an egg, and he took out some coffee beans. And he took three pots and he put the pots on the uh, uh, burners and started boiling the water for about 20 minutes. The, the girl was a little agitated, a little bored, what's dad trying to do? Uh, but when he was finished, uh, he put the, the, the potato in one, the egg in another, and the coffee beans in the third pot. And after they had simmered for a while, uh, he took the potato out of the pot and gave it to his daughter and says, what, what, what do you feel? And she said, it, it feels a lot softer than when you first put it in. He said, that's right. Took the egg Gave it to her, said, what, what do you feel? She said, man, it's hard. This is like a hard-boiled egg. She took the shell off, and it was totally hard. Then he went in the third pot, took a ladle, took out some of the, 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 the coffee beans that had diffused into the, the boiling water, put it in a cup, and said, taste it. She said, that's delicious. That's coffee. And, and the father said, that's right. Each one of these went in the same boiling pot of water. The first one, the potato, got soft in the water. The, the egg got hard in the water. But the coffee bean changed the water that it was sitting in. They were all in the same water. You're not hearing me. They were all in the same water, but only the coffee beans changed what was around it. And that is what you have to learn to do when you are in an escape room of betrayal. You can't allow the people around you to dictate how you feel. And I'm just going to be a victim the rest of my life. What I love about Joey is he didn't let what happened to him when he was 17 dictate the headlines of who he was when he was 30. You can't let the divorce that happened when you were 30 dictate who you are now that you're 40. You can't let what happened to you when you were 15 years old write the headlines of your life now that you're 40 years old. You have to say, you know what? My past experiences don't dictate my faith. My faith dictates how I interpret my past experiences. They're not going to change me, but I'm going to change them. And that's what Joseph was able to do. And I'll tell you what, that's what praise is. See, praise sets an atmosphere in a room, doesn't it? You ever get into a room where everyone's just ticked off and angry? What are you going to be? Yeah, that's right. Somebody's getting this sermon. I'm going to be ticked off. You know, you walk in a room, everyone's nervous and anxious because it, it, it gets in you. You know what happens when you come in a room of Thanksgiving? Where people are going through hell and yet they're still praising a God even though they're still lifting their hands and work. I, I, man, I feel good in this place. I don't know why. I don't even know why they're singing. I don't even know this song. But I feel good in this place because I'm a coffee bean and what's in me is going to come out of me. And that's what praise is. And that's what prayer is. It sets an atmosphere. It changes the tone of a whole room. You could be in an atmosphere of praise in a prison. Doesn't matter where you are. What's in you. I'm a coffee bean, baby. Boil me all you want. But what's in me is going to get out. Yes. Boil me all you want, devil. 
It's going to get out. Jesus needed Judas. Thank you, Judas. You helped me. Thank you, boiling water. I just made some delicious aroma Starbucks coffee. Oh, you thought you were going to soften me up? Break me? You thought you were going to harden me up with pride? No. No. That was, you just fell right into God's trap. Man, I'm a coffee bean, baby. God, I love this sermon. Number three. Number one, there's more to your story. Don't, don't just let your life be defined by one headline. There's more to the story. Keep reading. There's clues to how you're going to get out in that story. Keep reading. Keep going. Number two, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. You set the temperature in that room. Don't let that room set the temperature for you. I'm a thermometer. And then lastly, number three. Uh, this is my favorite by far. Oh, you know, you know what? This is going to be the title, my third point. I just came up with it right now. It's going to be my, my title right here. Are you ready? All right. I, I'm not sure. Are you, are you ready, balcony? Okay, okay, okay. I'm making sure. Uh, here it is, number three. Every piece has a purpose. I told you you'd like that. Every piece has a purpose. You remember what, what, what Tom said? Tom said that, that sometimes you get clues in the beginning that you don't even use until the end. Sometimes there's things spoken to you in the beginning that you're not going to need until the end because every piece has a purpose. It might not have a purpose right now, Joey, because it was Joey's ability to interpret dreams when he was 17 years old that was the key to his freedom when he was 30 years old because what happened? The cupbearer and the baker came to him and said, we had these dreams and we're dejected about it. Joey said, I'm kind of good with dreams. Let me know. Tell me about these dreams. So, so Joey interpreted their dreams to a T. He said to the, the, the cupbearer, in three days, you're going to be restored to the king. The baker told him his dream. He said, in three, day, three days, you're going to die. I want another interpretation. <laughs> but it happened. And, and then when the cupbearer was ascended back to his position, Joseph said, remember me. He didn't. Two years went by. And then King Pharaoh, Pharaoh had a dream that, that there were these seven fat cows and seven emaciated cows. And the seven fat cows ate the seven emaciated cows. And, and he was dejected about that. He brought in all his wise men, all his soothsayers, all the snake people in Egypt, and, and told them the dream. And nobody could interpret it. But then the cupbearer said, I, I remember this one guy. His name was Joseph. He was in the prison with me. And he interpreted my dream. I bet he can interpret your dream for you too, Pharaoh. So they went and they found Joey. They shaved him. They put mascara on him. Put one of them fake goatees on him like we see in those Egyptian movies. This is the way I picture it my sermon. I'm going to preach it the way I want to. And then they sent Joseph out in front of Pharaoh. And, and, and Joseph says, this is what your dream means. The seven fat cows mean that there's seven years of harvest. And the seven emaciated cows mean that there's seven years of, of famine. But what you got to do is you got to store up in the seven fat years so that you can survive the seven years of famine. And Pharaoh said, I like this, Joey. Teardrop tattoos, been in prison for 15 years. <laughs> my sermon. <laughs> you get the mic, you preach how you want to. Put his ring on Joey's finger and said, man, 
You had favor on you when you were 17. But he had favor on him when he was in Potiphar's house. He had favor on him when he was in prison. He had favor on him now that when he was second in command of all the world, because I'm a coffee bean and everywhere I go, favor goes with me. Favor isn't an outward expression. It is an inward contentment of I know who I am and I know where I'm going. And no matter what comes on around me, I know God will have the last word in my life. This is what happens when I have a week off from preaching. I get fired up because I know there's some people in here that you're in a boiling point of water right now and this sermon is for you that there's more to your story and every piece has a purpose every piece has a purpose you know how I know that you know how I know that you can stand up. I mean, half people are standing, half are sitting. Why don't you just stand up? It'll make me finish a lot quicker that way. You know how I know that every piece has a purpose? Because I built a playground this week. Oh, you thought I was going to say something spiritual. <laughs> and, oh my God, if, if, if you want to ever get really close to going through a divorce, buy your husband a commercial playground set for him to buy on his week off. I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That was like, it was on sale. I'm like, that's what you say every time. You bought this playground set. I'm like, who do you think I am? Anthony Magaro? I preach sermons about this. So she buys me this playground set. You know, 14 to 18 hours, two-person assembly. Yeah, in your dreams. You know, and so like, like thousands of pieces. Oh my God, we have a picture of it right here. This is just a few of them just spread out across, just a few of them, okay, people? I didn't have a big enough camera to capture them all. And, and I was like, oh my God, this is insane. This is insane. But uh, I, had, I had a friend, amen. Thank you for friends. I had, I had one friend, by the way. My only friend, you guys are not my friends. I had one friend, Bill, my boy. And, and I realized putting this thing together, and they're all broken. Like, like I would think that a lot of them would be the same sizes. Everyone, it was, everyone was a different piece. It was like a thousand different pieces putting this playground set together. And I, at first, I'm like, this is, is going to be a month. It's going to be a month. It's going to be a month. But, but I realized that every piece was broken perfectly. Every, if they were broken, but they were broken in a way that they all fit together. And that's what I love about this church. Is that I get to be around a bunch of broken pieces, but we're broken in such a way that we could be built with by the hands of God. Because when you get a piece, you ever get something and you don't know what to do with it? Like, I got all these pieces. I don't know what to do with this piece. I, I don't know what to do with this betrayal. I don't know what to do with, 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 with this abandonment that I'm going through. I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with this. But that's why you have, what, what is this? 
You don't know what to do with a peace. You go to your instruction manual. You don't know what to do with betrayal. You, you talk to God. He, he has an instruction manual so that you can put every piece together because every piece has a purpose. And I, I'm sure that Joey, as he's sitting there next to, next to the Pharaoh, second in, in command, 30 years old now, he really, he's looking back at everything that he's been through. The times his brothers beat him, threw him in the pit, sold him into human trafficking. The time he was lied on, he was beaten up, he was cheated on, he was abandoned by. I'm sure he's sitting there realizing as he's sitting there, the second in command of all of Egypt, realizing that every piece has a purpose. But here's, here's, the, here's the key is, a lot of you, you could be free of the physical room that tried to bind you. He might have been free from prison, but I, I believe somewhere Joey was still bound with the mental betrayal and the emotional residue left over from what was done to him by his brothers. Because you could be free on the outside, but not on the inside. And seven years go by. Seven years of plenty go by in, in Egypt. And then all of a sudden the famine comes and it touches on, on, on Joseph's family and his brothers. And where do his brothers go when they need help? They go to Egypt. Egypt has the, the food. And so Joseph's brothers hasn't seen them in over 20 years at this point. Joseph is 37 years old and his brothers show up and, and, and Joey kind of plays some games with them at first, doesn't reveal who he is, but then finally he has this breakthrough, breakdown moment in Genesis chapter 45. It says, verse one, I just want to read this to you because I believe this is the moment that Joey actually got out of his escape room called betrayal. This was the moment. It wasn't when the ring went on his finger. It was this moment right here, Genesis 45. It says, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all the attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one there except Joey and his brothers. And he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, it's me. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? It's been years now, 20 years. But his brothers were not able to answer him because now they were terrified in his presence. Joey could have given them exactly what they gave him. He could have done a queen of hearts off of their head, boom, in a moment. You think that would have gotten him out of his escape room? Be, I, all right, I'm just going to go here. And if this offends somebody, then I'm sorry, but I, I just got to share this, what God put on my heart. Uh, a lot of times I see people, and when there's an injustice that takes place, people go on marches, right? And they always, seems like they always chant the same thing, no justice, no peace. Ever heard that before? You might have even been part of those. I, I'm not trying to judge or anything. I just want you to see something from a godly point of view. No justice, no peace. And, and what that is saying is until I have justice, then I, there, there's not going to be any peace in my heart. No justice, no peace in my heart because what I need to have peace in my heart is I need to have justice. But I've talked to the people. I've talked to the people who have had, had, had people in their family who were murdered and they got the justice, but it didn't heal the peace in their heart. 
And you may think that justice is going to heal the peace in your heart, but it won't. You may think that that seeing that person executed or seeing uh, justice and wrath taking place in their life, what they did to you, being justified, will somehow heal and bring peace to your soul. It won't. It's only when the forgiveness comes out that the peace can come in. It's only when the hate comes out that the peace can come in. And Joseph knew that. And he says, verse 4, Joey says to his brothers, Come, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Because every piece has a purpose. And if you could get that revelation, I'm telling you, forgiveness can come out of your mouth because you can realize that even though they were ignorant and they were stupid and they were bad and they hurt you, every piece has a purpose. And I don't know how, but I know somehow God's going to get the glory out of this because every piece of my life has a purpose. So I can forgive you then. Not because I want to, not because I feel like it, but because I know every piece has a purpose in your life and in my life. That's why Jesus was able to say as they're putting the nails in his hands, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. How could Jesus say that? Because he knew that every piece has a purpose and that even though they were putting nails in his hand, he knew that God was going to get the glory out of it, that they had to do that in order for forgiveness to come to the entire world. It's the only way you'll ever get out of that escape room of betrayal is when the forgiveness comes out. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, we thank you for this word this morning, Lord. Thank you for giving me the strength and, and the unction to, to bring it to those who are in this escape room this morning, Lord God. That they can relate to Joey in, in some way that they feel bound because of the injustice, the betrayal that was done to them. And they've been trying to get even. They've been trying to work their way back. But... This morning, I I pray that this revelation will get inside of them that in order for the peace to come into their heart, they have to forgive. Forgive that parent that wasn't there for them. Forgive that that spouse that that cheated on them, that that, that divorce that took place and all the, the residue that comes from that. I have to forgive that employer that wrongfully fired me. I have to forgive that partner that cut me out of the deal. I have to forgive that child that has lied to me for years and years and years. I have to forgive that brother or that sister who has been manipulating me for so many years and I don't know why. I have to forgive them. I have to forgive them. I have to let go so that peace could come in. Because I need peace. I have a job to do. But I can't do it while I'm in this escape room of betrayal. I, 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 gotta, I gotta let the hand of God 
pull me out of that pit this morning. God, you know who this sermon was for. In the name of Jesus, that person is released right now. Forgiveness is released right now. It's coming out of them. That bitterness is coming out in the name of Jesus. Jesus.